Welcome to Going Out Your Door, the podcast to get you out your door and on the road. Jumping right in today, we are talking another budget-friendly way to travel because I am currently planning my trip to Europe. I have definitely Ireland and Edinburgh and Paris on the list, and then I want to include at least one or two other TBD locations after that. In Edinburgh, I'm doing house-sitting, which we've talked about in the past. I will link to that episode in the show notes as another really budget-friendly way to travel. But I'm currently exploring ways in Ireland and Paris and anywhere else that I go to save money on accommodation because as much as I love hostels, hostels are not super COVID friendly. Um, the pandemic is still ongoing, even though, you know, we're all traveling and getting back to life and all that. But I just, I don't really want to stay in a dorm room with a bunch of people, especially because this is going to be a bit of a longer trip. Hostels can really burn me out after like more than a week or two in them. So, I've been exploring other ways to find accommodations on the cheap, if you will. I know we're not supposed to call things cheap, but it's easier to say than inexpensive. So today we are talking about couch surfing, both the proper noun and the common noun. Former ESL teacher here. Couchsurfing is a company, but it's also just turned into like a concept that you can do in a lot of different ways. Basically, it's just used to generally mean staying on someone's couch or floor or spare bed or wherever when you travel. And in my opinion, to be couch surfing, it has to be someone that you don't know as opposed to just like staying with a friend. I mean, I guess that could count as couch surfing, but to me, that's just staying with a friend. Couch surfing is finding a place when you travel with someone that you didn't already know. So the proper noun, this company, Couchsurfing, they are a platform that connects travelers with people willing to offer their couches or other kind of accommodation to the travelers. There is no money exchange, so it's not like Airbnb. And generally, from what I understand, I've actually never done this. So from what I understand, you get sort of less official kind of accommodations. You know, I mean, Airbnb, there's a wide spectrum, but I think people generally expect like their own room, things to be a little set up a little bit nicer. Although, of course, there are some horror stories there as well. But couch surfing, like it's in the name. You're basically just crashing on someone's couch. We are going to mainly look at this from the surfer's perspective, not the host. But of course, there are two sides to this coin. And I think with couch surfing, the organization especially, they do expect you, if you're going to take advantage of it as a traveler, they expect you to host people as well. But of course, as a traveler community, we are looking at this from the traveler's perspective. The biggest question that I want to get out of the way first is, can women couch surf? Yes, they can and they do. It's not something that I have done in the past just because it's not something that I've I've been comfortable with. But through researching for this episode, I've started to explore other platforms that we're going to talk about as opposed to just the main couch surfing one. And there are female women only oriented <laughs> platforms that you can use that I would be a lot more comfortable with. So that is definitely something I'm going to explore in the coming weeks as I plan my Europe trip. So yes, women can couch surf. There are women only platforms. Women can also just use the main couch surfing platform. I've read lots of stories of women who did this and had great experiences. As with everything in travel and life, what you choose to do is up to you. You can draw your own comfort line, comfort level, wherever you are comfortable, as I've said in previous episodes. So you do you, you decide if this is something that you are comfortable with or not. So even though there are a wide variety of platforms out there that we're going to talk about, we're starting with the 
original. It's actually not the original. <laughs> there are some platforms that predate Couchsurfing that do the same thing, but Couchsurfing really emerged as like the primary platform. It really brought this kind of hospitality exchange into the forefront of travelers' minds and awareness. So we're starting with the Couchsurfing platform, but that does not mean that it is the only one or the primary one or even the best one. In recent years, it has been under a lot of controversy for number one, charging a fee. It was originally free, and in 2020, they took such a hard hit because of COVID, understandably, but they introduced a platform fee. So now it costs... $2.39 per month to join Couchsurfing or $14.29 per year, which is like weirdly specific. Those are odd uh, number amounts of change to have for your fee. But anyway, so Couchsurfing is no longer free. A lot of people are very frustrated about that. They've had a lot of allegations of not responding appropriately to instances of sexual harassment between surfers and hosts or violence or just other sort of really unfortunate things that have happened that the platform did not take appropriate steps to remedy or to prevent in the first place. So Couchsurfing is still definitely the biggest name organization, but there are others, other platforms that do similar or the same thing that might be a better option to check out. We're going to go through some of those in the end, and of course, those are all going to be linked in the blog post for this episode, which will be linked in the show notes for this episode. The company was created in 1999, way back in the 90s. When Casey Fenton from New Hampshire was 21 years old and he traveled from Boston to Iceland because he found a cheap flight, so it wasn't like a super planned out trip, but he didn't have lodging there. And he actually hacked into the database of the University of Ireland and emailed 1,500 students asking if he could stay with them. Um, He received many offers back and chose to stay at one of these places. And on the way back from his trip, he decided to create this platform to allow other people to do the same thing. So Couchsurfing was created in 1999 from a trip to Iceland. Couchsurfing defines itself as a service that connects members to a global community of travel travelers. You can use Couchsurfing to find a place to stay or share your home and hometown with travelers. They also organize events. I think this is pretty cool in over 2000 cities around the world. So they actually encourage you to go to these events and meet people before you do your your first Couchsurfing experience just to kind of get a little bit into the environment or talk to people who've done it and just sort of like get your foot in the door before you jump right in and stay with a stranger. Because I think even Couchsurfing itself acknowledges that that's a little bit of a weird thing to do. So it's essentially a profile-based site like all of the others out there that exist. On this podcast, we've talked talked about Opair.com, which connects au pairs and people looking for au pairs and house sitting and, you know, trusted house sitters, which I highly recommend. So it's exactly like all of those and Airbnb and dating apps and everything else. You create a profile and then you can search for people where you want to go. Or if you have yourself uh, marked as a host as well, you can also see who is coming to your city and reach out to them. So there's a couple different ways to connect with people on the site. 
as I mentioned, it's very much reciprocal. Like you're kind of expected to offer your place if you are trying to find other places to stay as well. Um, Very tit for tat, which kind of makes sense in this situation where there's no exchange of money or anything else. And some of the alternatives or spinoff platforms operate a little bit differently. Some of them are Facebook groups, and we're going to get into that later. You can also, on Couchsurfing, set your profile to be available to hang out. Um, If you logistically can't host someone or you're new, again, you're new to the process and you don't want to jump right in, you aren't comfortable with having someone stay at your place, you can just say like, hey, I'm in this city, I want to hang out, and you can kind of act as a host for people coming in, meet them for coffee, tell them what to check out, which I think is really cool as well. Couchsurfing.com does have some like tenants of their platform as well. They say that you need to share something, be it stories, songs, food, or your favorite coffee shop. Couchsurfing is about sharing and connection. Be open to giving, receiving, and discovering the unexpected. So this is very much a platform for extroverts, I think, but it makes sense. Become, uh, come prepared to talk, to share stories of your travels or your culture or cook your native food or something like that. Number two, respect differences. Help make the world smaller and friendlier. The diversity of people across the globe is a beautiful thing, so contribute by respecting and appreciating those differences, be they cultural or otherwise. Number three, participate. Spend time with your host or surfer. Make new friends and help each other discover new things about the world. If you're new to couchsurfing, tap into your local community first. It helps to know people near you. So meet other couchsurfers in your area by joining groups and events, which again, we talked about before. I think that's a great idea. Number four, be neat. I think this is probably huge. I could see this being an issue for this kind of platform. They say, hosts, tidy up your space before couch surfers arrive. Surfers, leave it better than you found it. Keep your things in order and always clean up after yourself. Next one, connect. Finding a place to stay is just part of the couch surfing experience. More importantly, it's about human connection. Number, what are we on? Six, be reliable. If your plans change, let your host or surfer know. Again, with so many of these things like reliability or cleanliness, because there is no exchange of money here, I think it sort of lets people get away with like lower standards. So you really want to try, even though you're not paying to stay in this place, the person is not paying you, there's still an expectation of like, be a decent human being. Um, Don't leave anyone hanging. Don't invite someone into a really nasty space or don't create a huge mess in someone else's space. Again, just like be a decent human being. Next one, trust your instincts. This gets into kind of the safety side of things. When looking for other couch surfers, always carefully review their profiles and especially the references. Communicate through couch surfing to get a better sense of who they are. And last one, leave a reference. Be sure to leave references for people after hosting or surfing. References help other members make informed decisions. Totally makes sense. And again, on the safety side, like there are definitely some horror stories from couchsurfing specifically. They do have a safety team that you're supposed to report incidents to. The very first thing they say to do if something happens, of course, is like get yourself to a safe location, get out of the situation and then report to them. I think this is a case where you're really relying on the goodness of people and there's not a lot of structure in place from their end to 
really guarantee safety. I mean, maybe there's no way for them to do that. Maybe they just choose not to because it's too much time or money or effort or whatever. Uh, But that is definitely a huge red flag with this kind of thing is that you really have to shoulder the burden of communicating as much as possible with the person ahead of time and meeting up with them maybe first. We're going to talk about that a little bit later keeping your wits about you and everything, trusting your instincts, keeping your things maybe locked, all of this stuff we're going to get into a little bit later, but there's no way for them to, well, there's no way for any situation to be guaranteed, whether you're an Airbnb or trusted house sitters or whatever, but like I said, this platform is a little bit, um, I don't really know how to describe it. Again, I've never done it, so I don't speak from experience, but it's sort of the, I don't want to say grungy because that's Grungy doesn't describe safety, but that's the word that's coming to mind. Again, that could be totally incorrect. I don't know, but that's the impression that I've gotten from talking to other travelers about this platform in general. They also do have a really cool uh, page on their site that's a blog, and it just has lots of really neat travel articles and stories of couchsurfing. I do recommend just checking that out. I think it's really interesting. I will link to that as well. Before we jump into some of the alternative platforms specifically, just thinking about couch surfing with a small C now, the idea of staying on someone's couch or at their house when you travel and not about any specific platform, here are some of the pros and cons to consider, some of which are obvious, you've probably gathered already. We're going to start with the cons first because we always like to end on a high note. Con number one, it could be uncomfortable at best. You know, if you have a a negative situation, at best it could be an uncomfortable situation. At worst, it could actually be risky or dangerous. A bad host could spoil the experience. You know, maybe it's not like dangerous or gross or anything like that, but you just have someone hosting you who's like kind of a bummer or annoying or mean or whatever that could really have an impact on your trip as a whole, although hopefully it wouldn't. Number three, it's probably or likely not going to be as nice as paying to stay somewhere. So again, you're really kind of sleeping on someone's air mattress, sleeping on their couch. You don't have your own space, all of that. Number four, it might be a bad night's sleep. (laughs) You know, you're not going to, you might not have a super comfortable place to sleep. Your host could be up all night playing the drums or whatever. It might not be the best night's sleep you've ever had. Number five, now this is like, as with all of these, totally varies depending on the situation you find yourself in, but you could end up sort of tied to someone else's schedule or dependent on them as your host because there's no consistent rules for couch surfing. It's totally up to the host. So they might be comfortable giving you a key to their place or they might require you to come and go with them. You might have varying access to other parts of the house or the kitchen or whatever. So you might end up a lot more dependent on this person and tied to their schedule than you would if you were, you know, staying at a hotel or Airbnb or whatever. And the last one specific to couchsurfing itself at this point, although I'm sure all other platforms vary as well, couchsurfing has definitely received mixed reviews over the years in terms of negative experiences and sexual harassment and all of those things. So unfortunately, there is that potential as well. But going on to the pros, because we love a little bit of positivity, uh, number one, you get a more local experience. You will be outside of the foreigner bubble when you travel. 
I would never expect a host to like drop everything and be my personal tour guide to the city, but they're definitely going to be able to give you local recommendations that you might not have in other housing situations. They might be able to show you their favorite like coffee shops or restaurants or say like this tourist trap is definitely not worth your time. Don't bother doing that. Check out this instead. So you're going to have a much more personalized, in-depth experience of wherever you're traveling to. Number two, the biggest pro maybe is that it's free. It's totally free. We talk about a lot of budget options for travel on this podcast and I love them and I think they're great, but even hostels have a price. You know, even if you're paying $10, $15 a night, that can add up if you're staying in hostels for multiple weeks straight. And number three, the last pro is just meeting new people. Even aside from that insight that they can give you into their local community, it's always great to meet new people in any part of the world. There's like a human connection there that's really important, getting new insight into other ways that people live and cultures and walks of life and sharing those stories with them. So that is a huge pro of couch surfing in general. Now, I was just curious, so I actually ran a poll on Facebook a few days ago asking if people had ever couch surf, if they would couch surf, or if it was a heck no answer. And I was actually very surprised. I expected a lot more heck no's, but it was 62% of respondents had couch surf. So two thirds of people had already done it. 23% of people said they would do it. And only 15% of people said no way. So I was actually a little bit surprised by those results, especially because I think my Instagram following tends to skew more women-oriented, and I was especially expecting with more women responding that we would get more no answers, but people seem really into it. So take that for what you will with a grain of salt. Uh, That's what a random small section of community thinks about couchsurfing. So jumping now into some alternatives, some couch surfing alternatives to the actual couch sitting website, the first one that we're going to look at is Trust Roots, which I saw recommended many places. It was started in 2015 and it has over 70,000 members. It is also a registered nonprofit in the UK for what's that, for what that's worth. I don't know much about that. They are very oriented towards Europe, so it's much easier to find hosts if you are traveling within within Europe and there are not so many people hosting outside of Europe. They are also very, I would say, very alternative. Um, I saw reviews that they are focused towards hitchhikers. They are vegan and dumpster diver friendly. So if you have that kind of like alternative mindset, this is a good platform for you especially if you are traveling within Western Europe. They are actually looking for volunteers if you want to volunteer with them as well. The next one we're going to talk about is called Be Welcome. It was started in 2007 and is registered as a nonprofit in France. And as of 2022, there are 165,000 members. I did see complaints in reviews about the site that there are just not enough hosts, unfortunately, so it can be hard to find places to stay. Another one to point out is called Couchers, and it seems like Couchers is trying to be the next couch surfing. It's kind of like going back to the original conception of couch surfing. 
It is a much smaller platform. There's only 9,000 members and it was started in 2020. But I read a review that it's creating that good old couch surfing vibe. It is an up and coming platform and most of the users are located in North America so far. They are still looking for volunteers as well. And it is actually still in its beta version. So it's small, it's growing, it's still doing its thing, but maybe something to keep an eye on. There is a platform specific to cyclists. If you are biking around the world, you want to check out Warm Showers. This one actually does have a fee to register. It's a one-time payment of $30, but that might mean that the site is a little bit uh, better maintained and there's more accountability and things like that. Who knows? It has over 165,000 members and was created in 1993. So this predates couch surfing, which is cool. It was created by a couple of Canadian cyclists. Some hosts on this site will give you a place to sleep in their house. Others will offer you their lawn if you want to pitch your tent, if you're traveling with a tent. So that can be an option as well. But you also want to make sure that you clarify that before you accept any offer on the site. Before we jump into the last one I want to look at, I want to give a shout out to Servas. I hope I'm saying that right, S-E-R-V-A-S, which was created in 1948. It is the oldest of all of these sites. 1948, can you imagine doing this kind of thing back then? Oh my gosh. It has 15,000 members, so it's still a little modest, and it does have a subscription fee. It was created in Denmark, and Servas means we serve in Esperanto. It is listed as one of the safer hospitality exchange websites, and apparently you have to go through an interview to join the network in addition to signing up and paying your fee, which definitely makes it seem very official and probably safer than a lot of these other sites. So that's an option as well. But the last one I want to look at is called Host Assister. This was recommended to me specifically when I put out that couch surfing poll. Someone said this is actually a better site to look at. It was created in 2019. Host Assister is operated as a private Facebook group, and I actually immediately went and joined it after researching this for this episode. I'm going to check it out for my trip to Europe coming up. Their description says, we are a global community of women, a place where sisters can connect to form friends friendships around the world during their travels or even share their homes for free as part of a cultural exchange. Host a sister welcomes all females age 18 or older to join regardless of which gender was assigned at birth. Yes, this is huge. So it is for women identifying folks. Amazing. I love it. Through Host a Sister, you can find free accommodations with a local sister while traveling, find a local sister to meet up with her in her hometown or meet up with other sisters traveling to the same location. Share your home with other women who are traveling to your hometown. Offer your friendship to another sister who is traveling and help her explore your hometown. Find a female travel buddy and plan a trip together. Organize a host a sister event in your hometown or a town you are visiting during your travels. So it's so much more than just a place to find accommodation. It's also a place to find travel companions and go to events and meet up with people and make friends and share stories and all that awesome stuff. Now, I got this little background information from a BuzzFeed article on how the effects of the pandemic affected hospitality exchange in general and host a sister specifically, but the group was created by Rashvinda Kaur in May 2019 to provide women travelers a hub to meet and find a free place to crash on their journeys that was free of harassment and scams. So this group was created in 2019, and then 2020, the pandemic hit, 
and they went through a lot of changes. You know, at first it was kind of at a standstill because people weren't traveling. You didn't want to stay stay with the strangers and all of that. And then as things started to open up and vaccines were rolled out a little bit, there was a lot of controversy on the group just around that whole situation, sort of the whole, all of the controversies of COVID boiled down into this one Facebook group regarding vaccinations, vaccine status, you know, the acceptability of travel and staying with people, whether you had to declare your vaccine status, just all of this stuff. The group went through like a huge amount of controversy and it was actually archived during the pandemic. They closed the group, but it was reopened last year and now it has more members than ever at 260,000 members. I think I said 200,000 before. So host a sister looks like the place to be if you identify as a woman. Like I said, I definitely plan to check it out. Even just having it in my Facebook feed so far, I've seen amazing posts roll out of people looking for traveling companions or going to locations. So I really want to sit down and explore it some more. Before we wrap up this episode, here are some tips for the couch surfer. Again, using couch surfer with the small C in this case to mean anyone who is traveling and doing this kind of hospitality exchange. Number one, only stay with hosts with verified profiles if the platform offers that. Couch surfers, the platform does offer that. It means that the person has submitted all of their ID info. Other sites might have different ways to verify people, but if that is an option, only stay with those hosts and also you should get verified too so people know that you are legit. Number two, read all of the references and reviews of the hosts, and if you can, send messages to their previous surfers, if possible, to hear about what their experience was like with that specific host. Number three, if you are traveling to a popular destination for an event or a time of year that a lot of people are going to be going, for example, like major festivals or holidays or sporting events, start searching and messaging hosts early on because it's going to be harder to find a place to stay. Number four, be personal in your message. We talked about this with the house sitting as well. You don't want to send the same form like, hey, I'm traveling here. Can I stay at your place? Message to everyone that you reach out to. You really want to make it as personal as you can so that they know that, again, you're a legit person. Um, you're not just a bot or a spammer or whatever, and they will be more likely to respond to you if you give them that personal information or just you know a connection in the first place. Number five, double check all of the details because for a lot of these platforms, there's no standard in terms of what to expect. So you really want to make sure that you iron out with the host, like what is your sleeping situation going to be? Will you have the keys to the place? What is the privacy? Do they have pets? All of that stuff. Number six, make sure you research the neighborhood where you're going to be staying in the city or in the location just so you know what to expect and you know what kind of vibe you're going to be getting into. Next one, I really like this tip. Consider meeting up ahead of time, like for coffee, for example, as an added precaution. So you don't just go straight to their house. You meet them in a public place first, chat, get to know them. And if you feel comfortable, then you can continue with the couch surfing. But of course, have a backup plan, know how to call for a taxi in that city, how to access or get to a hotel, make sure that you have emergency cash. I read somewhere that couch surfing should be something you choose to do, not something you are forced to do. So again, it's a way to save money. It's a great budget travel tip, 
but you never want that to be your only option. You want to at least have enough cash for a night or two in a hotel if a situation goes awry. Number nine, make sure your friends and family have the address of where you are staying. That is critical. Number 10, have a padlock for your luggage. I mean, you don't want to make it seem like you're very suspicious, but just having a backpack that locks can be great for safety and security. Number 10, pepper spray. You definitely want to check out the legality in wherever you're traveling because a lot of places might have various rules regarding that kind of self-defense equipment, but pepper spray is never a bad option if it is legal. Number 12, we mentioned this before, be respectful. (laughs) Be the respectful surfer. These platforms are very reciprocal, so you may be a host someday and you're going to want someone to treat your space with the same kind of respect. And this was also mentioned previously, be sociable. This is a time to try to channel all the extroversion that you can, especially if you are not an extrovert. Chat, engage in conversation, go out for coffee or food with the host, and maybe be prepared to like cook your own food or your native food or something like that. Share your stories with them. Really be as sociable as you can. And lastly, Don't make a huge thing out of this, but maybe like bring a small gift, even if it's like I said, be prepared to cook some native local food from your own place for the host or bring them some really, really small thing from your travels or wherever you're from as just sort of a thank you for sharing their space with you. That brings us to the end of this episode. I would love to hear about any couchsurfing experiences that you have, whether it's on the actual couchsurfing site or on an alternative site. Is this something that you would ever consider? Are you like, yeah, of course, people are wonderful. I'd absolutely do that. Or no way, that sounds like a bad experience waiting to happen. Or like me, are you somewhere in the middle? You can send any of those stories or thoughts or questions to goingoutyourdoortravel at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I will be sharing pictures and stories and things about all my upcoming Europe travels at Going Out Your Door and on Twitter at Going Out Your. And until next time, this is Going Out Your Door.